repeat too much. But as I said in Sunday school, we would try and share things throughout the day, um, now during this period, and then also this afternoon, uh, even give me an opportunity for question and answer this afternoon. Um, but we're going to share a video, and I want to bring you up to speed with some of the things happening around the video. Um, so we did come back January. Our intentions are to return to Puerto Rico this January. In fact, we were looking at plane tickets returning around the 28th of January. That would be a few days after Jeremiah leaves Pennsylvania to go back, to drive back with uh, Pastor Warsham, the assistant pastor's uh, son there from our home church in, in the Allentown area. They're going to drive back to Maranatha together at this point. That's the plan. And uh, so we wanted to make sure that we enjoyed Christmas and we got him on his way back and back to Maranatha for his second semester uh, before we took off. And instead of leaving him behind halfway through a Christmas break, that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, would it? All the moms are like, no, that would be crazy. I would have to kill you if you were my husband and you did that to me and my son. But uh, I'm looking forward to being with him. We, we enjoy our time um, very much. In fact, I, I, uh, um, he, our family uh, works together in the ministry. It's, it's funny. He told me he was home with me and we were driving the car and he said, Dad, you know, I was talking to somebody at, at school and they just out of the blue, they said, well, your parents um, who are missionaries. And, and my son said, excuse me, no. We are missionaries. And, and he said, Dad, I, 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 he kinda, I think the other person was a little puzzled, but then somebody else chimed in and totally backed, no. And my, said, my, my son said, I am thankful that I can say that. We serve God together. Amen. This is not, uh, in fact, I, I'm here shortly. If anybody's seen our prayer letter lately, um, the picture is a little old. Uh, it, it probably goes back to last for a while. I just haven't had a chance to, to work on it with all that's going on. So our intention is to change the picture. And so the question is, so is Jeremiah going to be part of our new picture? I said, most certainly he is. Yes. We'll take the same picture we have in our prayer card. That was purposeful to have him involved in it. And he is part of our ministry until he starts his own home. He may be in a different location, but until he starts his own home, his own family, he is part of our family. And so he is studying youth ministries there at Maranatha. We'll see what the Lord has for him plans-wise. He, he's told me. He said, Dad, I don't know exactly. I said, you don't have to know. It's no big deal. No pressure. Serve God. That's right. Serve God. So pray for him, if you would, please. Pray for us as a family as well. We'll be looking at going back in January, so we have things on our plate to start preparing. We have a handful of meetings. In fact, next week, I'll be starting next Sunday at a missions conference that I'll be uh, speaking from Sunday to Wednesday. Um, we just came off of a different missions conference where I had the privilege of speaking from Friday to Sunday. That was with Pastor Motes. And uh, so we, we have several other meetings, but then we go into transition to departure and, uh, and those types of things. The meetings that we lost because of COVID, and a lot of those were on the East Coast, but they're six, eight hours away. And with all of the difficulties with states, I originally said we would try and plug those in if I needed to. Plug those into around Christmas uh, where we had it scheduled. and uh, But looking at our map and then looking at those that we weren't able to be with through Zoom or through Facebook or through some type of digital fashion, I realized that that's just not, I'm not going to make it to those churches. There's questions about even getting back into Pennsylvania if I leave. And so I, I have to at least uh, consider those things. So we'll look at transition. We have a lot of things anyway to transition just ministerially and personally and then looking to return back to the field to get back. In fact, I'll be starting to teach at a college where I teach before I even return. I'll be teaching uh, through the internet to get those classes started. When we return, we may be quarantined for two weeks anyway. So I may very well be less than a mile away from my church and not be able to go to church services. <laughs> so you can just pray that the Lord will work those things out. Some of the things that are not on this, obviously I've taken some time about our family. I've done a little extra than I normally would on a Sunday morning, but we're personal here. And so uh, now with regards to uh, other things connected to the video, we have uh, on this video, it will talk about our uh, experience just slightly and the ministry opportunities through the hurricane. Hurricane Maria happened about three years ago. Some of you remember that. And that was an opportunity for, the, for us to uh, have a different style of life. It's a different ministry style. There are other effects that took place to our ministry. But right before we left to come on furlough, Puerto Rico was also struck with a 6.4 earthquake. And that earthquake... Uh, set into motion rumblings that have continued throughout this year. Uh, the epicenter for the majority of those earthquakes uh, is only about 15 miles from our home, our church, and our church family. Uh, thankfully, we did renovations to our building, and I actually believe stabilized our building for some of those earthquakes. 
those those renovations took place because of damage after the hurricane. And they were only done, and, and we only had our, our opening service of our auditorium uh, about a month or two months before the earthquake hit. So God had things in motion. But uh, we're thankful for what he has done. That earthquake has affected uh, the ministry to some level with a lot of fear. It's affected the island with a lot of fear once again. But uh, we're thankful that uh, there has been no catastrophic damage, no effects to people's homes in, connected to our church, connected to our, our, our church building. Um, those things. That, I'm not saying there aren't cracks. When you have a crack in a home and it's, it's, um, it's drywall or wood, you, don't, you just patch it. I, I worked drywall for years. I, I, it's no big deal. But when you've got a cement home, you have a cement roof, if something starts to crack, you start to crumble inside. You follow me, right? Yeah, yeah. So at, at, at I don't know, 4 o'clock in the morning when you're on the second floor of your cement home and a 6.4 earthquake decides to shake your bed and you realize it's not your kid jumping on your bed, that's a problem. And so we're thankful that the structures have held up. There, there are structures in our town that haven't. And there are structures in the city next to us, Ponce, that have not. But uh, we're thankful for what the Lord has done. Please continue to pray that the Lord will guide and direct. Now COVID has taken over the conversation in reality. And uh, the restrictions there on the island are, are high, uh, higher than even here in Pennsylvania. Um, and so when we return, we'll be returning to that environment and asking for the Lord's grace and strength to do that. By the way, as I see prayer cards from the missionaries, and I know that you have a heart for, for others around the world, I think one of the times I was here a few furloughs ago, Pastor had just gotten back from a trip that he had taken, a uh, mission trip. Um, missionaries around the world are facing things that none of us ever anticipated. I'll tell you, I did not anticipate. I, I have felt as though I've been in a unique experience during this COVID life. Because I am in America, but I'm trying to care for a ministry in Puerto Rico. But I'm also interacting with pastors, many pastors. And hearing how their hearts are struggling to know how to manage things. And how to manage their people to have a biblical perspective. Because there's a lot of fears and fear tends to affect people in different ways. And so we, we would just ask you to continue to pray for us. So we would be an encouragement while we're here. As well as we have wisdom when we return. Some of the restrictions can be very frustrating. And, and so um, it's one thing when you kind of accustom yourself to that level of, of frustration and restrictions. Another thing when you're jumping uh, head, head first into it. And I've already said to my children, hey, when we return, there won't be any talk about, well, we just a few weeks ago didn't have to do that, or we did have to do that. We are now serving in whatever circumstances God has given us to serve in. And that will be very different than what it was when we left the island. And so just pray for our strength and our wisdom. And now let's go ahead and share this video, and then we'll share God's Word. Um, Let's see if technology will work. That's always the biggest question, isn't it? Yeah. Really, the problem so far is the fact that I was neglectful as I was sharing. I was supposed to be doing something else, and I, I didn't do that. It's called old age, but we'll blame it on the kids. Okay. As soon as that projector comes up. What? As soon as I open the window for the projector to come up. <coughs> talking about old age. <coughs> I know some of you think he's too young to be talking about old. Some of us age double just because of the children we have. I, I love my children and they know it. That's why I can pick on them. Okay, we have no sound. Okay, I know why. Okay, this is all human error. But... It's because we turn things off and then turn them back on. No, we should have some. Is the sound system turned on? Yeah. It worked. By the way, it worked before Sunday school, so everybody knows. Do we not have a sound system? Should be. It says it's going out from here. Doesn't that look funny? This is really funny. It worked fine before. Yeah. Um, 
can do. I'm not sure that I can get my life. I've got a speaker on the car, but that's on the car. That's going to be too quiet for you. Okay, let me plug it back in here. See, I've got no rattle on this microphone. Normally when I plug this in and out, it goes pop, 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 pop. And I've got no rattle. So I don't know if something disconnected. Okay. I will sit on the ground and hold it in place. It looks like it's just not connecting properly. So let's start it over. Preaching his gospel, teaching his word, and testifying of his works throughout all of the world. Hello, my name is Jeremy Markle. My wife Laura and our three children, Jeremiah, Juliana, and Joshua, have been committed to fulfilling the Great Commission in Puerto Rico since 2006. Since our arrival, our primary focus has been the local church ministry of Iglesia Bautista in the town of Juanadinas. been our privilege to preach the gospel both in public and in private so that the Puerto Rican people might learn of God's message of salvation. We have also enjoyed opportunities to help fellow believers become dedicated disciples of Jesus Christ through personal Bible studies. We praise the Lord for the spiritual fruit that he has produced and pray for an even greater harvest in the future.
that their ministry would reach to the uttermost parts of the earth for our family. God has begun to expand our ministry influence across the islands and into other Latin American countries. In 2012, I was asked to be the director of the children's camp program that ministers to young people from sister churches across the island. Summer camp is a time of food, fun, and fellowship. It is also a time of spiritual growth through the singing, preaching, and studying of God's Word. God has also continued to expand our ministry influence through speaking engagements in other local churches, including marriage conferences, ladies' events, and an island-wide conference. Through the encouragement of fellow pastors and missionaries, we have also begun walking in the Word Ministries for the purpose of distributing some of our biblical literature to those who are interested in growing in their spiritual walk. Since 2012, I have had the privilege of teaching missions and youth ministry courses at Puerto Rico Baptist College. In 2019, Laura began teaching a practical ladies' ministry course. Through teaching at Puerto Rico Baptist College, we have seen our ministry once again expand throughout Latin America as each student returns to their home country to serve God by proclaiming His Word. In 2017, God gave me the privilege of visiting some of my former students in Colombia. While there, I was able to participate in the ordination of Mauricio. Mauricio and his wife Melanie are church planning in Mauricio's hometown of Ibagué. I also visited with Christian and Cynthia, who are church planning in Bogota. What a thrill it was to see the biblical truths that we have taught in the classroom be put into practice in each of these families and ministries. In 2019, I took Jeremiah to the Dominican Republic for his first missions trip. While there, we visited with fellow Baptist World Mission missionaries, the Pittman, Bell, and DeWalt families, who are church planning in the city of Puerto Plata. Our time there was spent in physical labor, the preaching of God's Word, and Christian fellowship. It was a blessing to see how God is working in other parts of the world and to encourage His servants to be faithful in their ministry. Since arriving in Puerto Rico, God has truly expanded our ministry beyond our imagination and our human capabilities, and He alone deserves the glory. Now, as we prepare once again to return to our ministry base in Puerto Rico, we encourage you to participate in God's global plan for worldwide ministry through preaching His gospel, teaching His word, and testifying about His great work wherever He leads you. Participate through your local church ministries, both in public and in private. Participate through caring for and praying for those who are serving in other countries. And enjoy the opportunity to see God expand your ministry influence to the uttermost parts of the earth. or whatever we can do to be an encouragement, that is our desire. Yes, I can do two things at once, but I put my mind to it. But uh, it is good, and it's a, it's a privilege to be able to be with you all here uh, today. I did not realize that this was an anniversary Sunday, and, and as I was sitting in the uh, in the pew and we were singing, some of you might have noticed that I kind of stopped singing, and I started thinking, and I actually grabbed my phone at one point, and I, I really started uh, analyzing if I wanted to go a different direction, if I, if I wanted to try and bring this from a different perspective, um, here this morning, and, and I, I think I've come to a conclusion, but I might change it and know my message, but the good news is none of you will know the difference. And so, um, uh, really, this morning, what I do want to do is approach something else. I, I really do have a heart to speak on the idea of a church and its meaning, and, and maybe we'll get into that in, some, or in, in the afternoon service, okay? But I think, um, I think Pastor really kind of mentioned some other things. That, that all of us are facing, and we started in Sunday school dealing with this a little bit, 
And, and we enjoyed, I hope those that were with us enjoyed Sunday school and just taking a look at, at Hebrews chapter 10 and, and not really concerned about verse 25, but really the verses lead up to it and the awesomeness of the privileges that we have as believers. But there is something else that I want to share with us that, that it, it will have a twofold purpose. It will have a purpose of encouraging us. I, I, I don't always warn people. I was in a church a few weeks ago, and, and just about every time I was going to make a point and really make it drive home, I, I kind of warned them by saying something like this. I'm going to be mean now. Are you ready? <laughs> well, then I was with them in a conference, so I was speaking multiple services. And so one of the services, I, I was going to say something that might have shocked them, and so I decided to say something like this. Um, I'm a strange little man. And, and, and just get ready for what I'm about to say. So I'm just warning you right now. I'm, I'm trying to be nice by warning you. I want to encourage you here. There are people here today, and, and including myself, that we have, we, have, uh, we have some burdens. We have some concerns. We have concerns for our family. Concerns for our country. We have, we have concerns for our friends. We have concerns about our economics. We have concerns about our health. We're living in a world that is, is in chaos. And to be honest with you, I would suggest that we're living during... Wartime environments. Okay? Now, our country's been at war for many years, but we don't live like that. We, we just go about our life, it's like no big deal. While other people protect our freedoms. But we are living not as though the war is somewhere else, but rather it's been brought home in the lockdowns. I, I, can, I can remember seeing, uh, you know, in different older car um, presentations. Uh, where, where, for example, I'm thinking one, uh, there's a, a punch bug museum in Puerto Rico. It's a privately owned, and, and it's very expensive to get into because it's private. And now they've limited hours, not just because of COVID, just because of the owner, I think. And they have a lot of other vehicles, but one of the vehicles they have there uh, was a, a punch bug that they claimed Hitler may have driven in. Was it a punch bug? I thought it was a punch bug. It was a Volkswagen. Okay, it was a Volkswagen. It wasn't a punch bug. I thought it was a punch bug. I'm just, maybe I don't remember anything right anymore. Uh, one too many kids, but the, the, yeah, there is a punch bug, a little Volkswagen Beetle. Right, right. But I'm saying in the museum, I thought, it was, and maybe it's not. Maybe it's because all the German cars all slope like that. So, that's, but but if you remember back in those days, and I wasn't around there at the time, obviously, okay. So, but they 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 forced that you put these little covers over your over your lights, and you could only have. This much space of light coming out of your headlights. They, they did it so that different military couldn't be seeing what was going on at night. And so that your lights didn't shine on things that other spy craft and other would be taking pictures of. And you would be lit. The headlights were the same big glow glass side, but they put these guards on. I feel as though we're living in this guarded world of. of and you know that can unnerve us. We can at times feel as though that maybe some of the promises of Scripture don't hold. Let, let me take you to a promise of Scripture that maybe some of us have concerns about here uh, in, in, our, in, in our own lives at this point. Look with me at Luke chapter 12, if you would, please. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. The, the Bible makes a promise for us. It's a promise that, that many of us know. In other words, if I were to give you a Sunday school quiz, you'd probably pass the test. But unfortunately, when it comes down to the difficulties of life of application, often we neglect. We know it, but we neglect it. Satan may be distracting us. Our life circumstances may be distracting us. We may be living in sin, and therefore we don't feel the presence of the promise quite as strong. But at the end of the day, there are promises that God has given to us. That are promises that are, are firm, that, that aren't going to change. And those promises we should rely on. Um, and this is actually the passage I was looking for on my phone. Okay, there we have it. Okay, I have it written down on my paper incorrectly. So let's start here at verse 22. If you have a red letter Bible, you realize that just the first six, seven words are in black because it's the context. The Bible says, and he said, that being Jesus, unto his disciples, his followers, his students, in reality. The Bible says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. Now, pause for a moment. Jesus Christ looks at his students, his disciples, and he says to them, 
Don't be worried about your body. But everybody today is telling me I need to be worried about my body and what I'm putting on. I'm not suggesting we don't put on gloves or put on masks or that we don't put on a coat when we go outside. I'm saying Jesus Christ knows that you and I easily become focused on the physical. That is a human attribute. And Jesus Christ wants to give us His assurance. He wants to strengthen our faith. He wants to give us a command, but with a promise. He says in verse 23, The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Our life is more than the physical. Although often that's where we focus. Now jump down with me if you will. Notice what it says in verse 28. If then God so clothed the grass, and I'm jumping for time's sake, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven. Pause with me. Does that not fit Psalm 103? Doesn't that fit part of what we read today with pastor? Yeah. A person only exists for a period of time like the grass, and then it's gone and it doesn't exist anymore. The Old Testament, the New Testament... They know the reality of human life is short. So, so listen, Jesus Christ, He is the one speaking. He says, how much more will He clothe you and ye of little faith? Oh, ye of little Don't you realize that God's the one that's going to take care of your physical needs, is what He's saying. He goes on to say verse 29, and seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink. That means that I can preach longer today because you're not going to concern yourself with those wonderful smells coming from the kitchen. Don't worry about looking for lunch. That's what he's saying. That's what I take. That's my exegesis of these passages. No longer worry about lunch, especially on a Sunday when you have a long-winded preacher in the pulpit. Or to drink. You say, but these are necessities of life. Isn't it interesting that the things that we call necessities for life, God says, I'll take care of? Stop worrying. That's right. Stop it. Just stop worrying. Yes, but, but don't you understand that, that what? What, that God doesn't know? That God doesn't care? By the way, if you die of starvation, don't you get a feast in heaven? So what are you worried about? That's right. Anybody think about it? Isn't there a, a tree that produces fruit, 12 different fruits? Isn't there a river of life? Amen. It, I mean, what? So you go hungry for 40 days and then you die. So what? Then you get to eat for all eternity. What's the problem with you? I know some people think we're real crazy. I'm not trying to say that we should in any way abuse ourselves and that we should neglect our body from eating what God has provided for us. But when we don't get the provisions that we want, we need to realize that He's giving us all we need. And I hate to say this. But we as Christians today, in America, have been spoiled compared to Christians in the past. This morning I made a, a reference to, to get started, to, to Christians... In the catacombs. Now, you think they were having a fancy meal between their services? We as believers in America need to come back to the basics of Christianity. You and I have a Savior who cares for us. And if that's the case, then stop caring for ourselves. I'm not saying don't take care. You understand what I'm saying, right? I don't want to be misquoted and misunderstood. I'm not telling you to neglect yourself. I'm not telling you to, to, to stop on a diet or, or stop. I'm saying that that's not our focus. And if we don't get what we want when we want it, we shouldn't be hungry to the point of hangry. Have you ever heard of that? Did you ever hear of the hangry? I think it's like the Snickers commercial or something like that that they use that. Somebody gets hungry and so they turn into a monster until they get a Snickers or something. I don't know. We should be focused like that as believers. See, if I don't get something to eat, it's because God didn't choose to let me have it. He has a reason. By the way, the Bible talks about fasting. Maybe we should take those hunger pains and turn them into prayer. Amen. That's right. 
I know that's a little extra. It might come as a little bit odd to get started this way, but I, I think we just need to we just need to walk into this whole situation with our eyes open. We just need to be honest. We're all living in difficult times. Let's just let's just be open. Let's see what the Bible says about it. Continue with me. Seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of double or doubtful mind. Don't be of a doubtful mind. Oh, I just don't know. I just, I, I'm just not sure. I just, so what? You don't have to know. I, I say that tongue-in-cheek because I am a planner. I tell you, the hurricane has messed me up. If you go to talk to anybody on the island, they'll tell you, and they have told me, and I said, oh, not really, but I realize some of it is true. I am an organizer. I like scheduled things. I like my plan. I tell you, that stuff has been thrown out the door. God has put me through a school of hard knocks. I thought I was going to get a schedule here in America, and then they decided to throw that out the window too. I'm sorry, it's probably all my fault. I haven't learned my lesson, and you all have to go through it. I apologize. <laughs> I'll go back to the island and everything will go fine. It's kind of like Jonah, just throw him the wall. <laughs> so what does the Bible say here? If we continue on. Verse 30, for all these things do the nations of the world seek. They seek after these things. Do you want to listen to the news and hear what China's doing or what Japan's doing or what Europe is doing or what South America is doing? All of the nations are going to worry about what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink and what they're going to put on. That's what they're going to worry about. Don't be surprised when you turn on the news and hear American lost sinners proclaiming worry. That's exactly what they're going to do because they're sinners. They have no other choice. They don't have a father to take care of them. They don't have a shepherd to care for their souls. This should not surprise us. And seek not ye what ye shall eat. Don't seek what you should drink. Don't be of doubtful mind because the lost do that. And your father knoweth, verse 30 at the end, and your father knoweth that ye have need of these things. I have a daddy who knows my needs. Now, I have a son who is miles away from me. And I try to communicate, and I try to provide. Yesterday he was flying... From Philadelphia back to Wisconsin, and he got to the airport around uh, 9 30, 10 o'clock, and he was smelling some of the Philadelphia cheesesteaks. And he texted me and he said, Dad, oh, I wish they were so expensive. Don't tell my wife I did this, because then she'll know that I have a soft heart. And, and I started, I didn't tell him, he didn't know what I was thinking, but I texted him. I said, Oh, really? How much do they cost? Because he said, He said, I, I don't really have money. I said, Well, how much do they cost? I know he's got a debit card, and I know that my wife has the ability to send some money to his account like that. And she does it sometimes without telling me. And so all of a sudden, dad's going to be soft. And I was, if he would have come back with an actual price, I was, I was pretty close to paying a pretty penny for some crazy sandwich he was going to eat. Why? Because I'm his dad. If a son asks for bread, does his father give him a stone? If a son asks for an egg, does his father give him a serpent? If you, being sinful, know how to be a good father, doesn't your heavenly father know how to be a better daddy than that? I have a daddy. I have a daddy. I have a daddy who loves me, who cares for me. He's all powerful. He's all mighty. And I'm in a... Concerns and I have some pressures and, and and but my daddy wants me to communicate with him. And sometimes he sends the help, but sometimes he says, "No, you need to learn. You're not having that help." I can remember back in the semester, my son called me. He was talking about a paper, and it was a research paper. And he was working, talking to me. He was allowed. He's allowed to do that. 
he was working, having a headset on, talking to me while he was cleaning the kitchen. And he, he was talking to me about this paper, and he had to do a research paper. And I said, well, son, you need to do this or this. You know, thing. He said, Dad, I, I have so many sources, but I need one more source. And I, I, my, my, my wife was sitting uh, close by me. She had her phone out, and I thought, that's no big deal. My wife would probably pull up on a Google, a couple answers in no time flat. And I could just have her forward that, uh, that link, that resource to him. And then I thought, hmm. I also happen to be a teacher. <laughs> That's not really what I want my students to be doing, right? Yeah. Yeah, think about it. <laughs> yeah, not really what I want. <laughs> so I, I just started giving them counsel. I said, well, well, have you considered this source? Or have you considered that source? Now, I could have resolved this problem. Before he got back to his room, he could have had all that he needed for that paper. Trust me. I, in fact, the sources I told him to turn to, he found like this, and he found the right information for himself, and it was exactly what he needed. Because he's got a wise daddy. <laughs> we have an all-wise daddy who sometimes doesn't come in and rescue us, but he points us in the right direction so that we can grow and mature on our own. Because a dad knows that a son, a daughter, must mature to become a young man and a young man. All of this is extra, friends. We're just having fun here today. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible goes on to say, we were where? Verse 30 or thereabouts, for all these things do the nations of the world seek, right? And your Father knoweth ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. I won't give you details of this testimony. Please understand, I, I don't have some great prayer life like some of the great men of old where, where I pray and then some milk truck breaks down in front of the orphanage to give all the children milk that day. I, I, I'm, I'm not some super... I'm just like you. If you poke me, I'm going to say ouch. If you pinch me, I'm going to bleed red. Okay? So, so I'm just... But you know, I recently have watched the Lord provide. I, I have watched Him take needs that my wife and I have been talking about in private and I've been praying about and, and concerned about, but trying to turn it over to Him. And, and, and we don't share them a whole lot. I've had counsel. Put them in a prayer letter. Make it a big difference. I've tried to really, and nothing made it is major, but it's not major. Whatever. It, 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 they have come up in conversation and they've come up in public because people have asked certain things and certain questions, and so we've shared. You know, I've watched the Lord in the last couple of weeks start to provide for means for when we return to Puerto Rico in, in, th- in, in ways that I, I don't deserve that. I, I'll tell you, I need it. I need it physically or something like it to do the work of the ministry and my family. And, and I, I, I need to be encouraged, but you know what I really needed? Put some thought into this a little bit this week. I really needed. I really the object is one thing, but but my soul needed to know that I had a daddy who was going to provide for me. Amen. I really have needed that. Yes. In this time that we're facing. I really needed that. And I've needed to know that God works in the heart of his people. Even when I, I'm not begging, borrowing, and stealing from you. That God puts things on our hearts. I just had a widow write me an email. Now, she's a widow of, of some means. She's got a large farm, her and her husband. We want to help you with a need. You alluded to it when you were with us. Okay? Well, if you can help, great. If you can't, your thought was enough. She wrote back, I'm doing this, and this is what I'm doing. I just want you to know that God's been good this year. The corn and grain prices have been higher than normal. What? I thought the news was that everything's crashing. We've made some extra money in farming in Michigan. (laughs) And I just want to give it back to the Lord. Amen. Tell you. Notice what the Bible says. We, we think we know the Bible and then we don't read it. To actually, like, when I say read, I don't, I don't mean that we don't skim through it. I'm saying that we don't actually pause from time to time to actually evaluate. Daddy knows. I know people might get offended because I refer to God as Daddy, but He's my Abba, and that means Daddy. That's right. Amen. 
Amen. He's my daddy. Oh, I respect him. He's my father. But he's my daddy. Mm-hmm. I, I know people might think, oh, seek ye the kingdom of God. And you know what? I have struggled in my own faith and struggled in my own life to truly seek God through some tough times. I'm sorry, but you saw a picture of a young, a, another woman standing next to my wife by the grill. Did you see that? Do you remember that picture? Yeah. I tell you, that day was not an easy day for me. That was about three days after the hurricane. Electric's gone. Water's gone. Gas is gone. Food is gone. Banks are gone. Cell phones are gone. You have a neighbor across the street who says... I don't have any cash, and even if I have cash, I can't get food. They spent all day out. I had spent the day doing other things. I think trying to check on church people, things along those lines. So my wife says, okay, I've got some hamburgers in the freezer. She accident, accidentally went to Sam's Club and bought a whole brick of hamburgers that was an accident because we already had some other meat. We, it was an accident. And she put it in a freezer that a supporting pastor gave us money for on our last furlough. Just because she joked about having a freezer. And he said, okay, here you go. Here's some hamburgers. And I know the food supply is going to go short like that. And this unsaved couple comes home and we've been trying to get the gospel to them and they come home and I see them get out of the car and they're Hey, how you doing? Oh, it's horrible. What's the matter? We've been out all day trying to find money. I finally got cash at the end of the day, and then there's no food. I can't get in grocery. I can't get food. I, we don't have anything. Are you kidding me? <laughs> My wife was grilling five hamburgers. I mean, they were on the grill cooking right there. She's like, what am I going to do? Oh, that's so sad. As they're smelling the hamburgers going across the yard. That's a little sideways. I know. I'm a missionary. I would never be one. Right? Okay, let's just think. Again, I happen to care about my stomach every once in a while. And every once in a while, I struggle with thinking about what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to drink and how I'm going to be clothed. I turned to my wife and I said, how many hamburgers do we have? She looked at me and went, she knew. She, she, and she's thinking like a mom now. Our kids are going to turn into vampires if we don't have food for them on a regular basis. They're going to eat us in the night. <laughs> no, we don't believe in vampires. It's okay. I don't know where that illustration came from. It's just what came out of my mouth. should have said vultures or lions. I apologize. I'm trying to get into it. But what happened? Boom. Turned my wife and I said, let's do it. I didn't know how many hamburgers we had. She knew how many. I didn't know. You know that freezer never ran out of food? Amen. That freezer with the little bit generator and other things. My children speak about one of the their most favorite meals in our entire 14 years in Puerto Rico and it happened to be something God provided. Special. When my wife went to the store that was empty, but was able to find a special type of meat marked down because the freezers were dead. While she was trying to look for food, not only for our family, but to feed four or five male guests, pilots and people who had flown in on those private planes that we weren't expecting. Don't worry about food, don't worry about food. Seek God. I looked at that woman and I thought to myself, I have been wanting to share the gospel with her. How can I ever share the gospel with her if my wife is cooking these hamburgers and we don't offer them some food? That's right. You know they got the first hamburgers. Seek first the kingdom of God. And God. Notice, when I put my focus on God, what does he do? But rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things. What things? All the things you're worrying about? All the things the nations of the earth are in need of? All these things, all of them. 
And when the world, when the Bible says all, I think God knows what he's saying, don't you? All these things shall be. That's a promise. Shall be. It's a future tense promise. It will happen. And it will be added unto you. You say, does that mean as a believer I'll never go through a problem? No. No. I'm a father. But my children have to still go through problems. Some problems I allow them to go through because they need to mature. Right? I want my son to go through the problem of driving 20 to 24 hours in the car in a few weeks. I want him to go through that problem. Why? Well, because it means he ends up with me. And you might have to go through a problem of death and sickness. Does that mean God doesn't love you? That your daddy doesn't care? No. It means that he loves you more. He's drawing you to himself. He's giving you an invitation. Come be with me. That's an awesome problem. Because he'll never leave us or forsake us. We should be content with the things that we have. Because Jesus Christ has promised he will always be with us. But we don't believe his promises anymore. We talk about them, but we don't live them. Notice what the Bible says. For all these things do the nations of the world seek, verse 30. But rather seek ye. Put your focus on something else. And all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not. And here's the entire phrase I was planning on getting to, and I didn't even get to. I want you to listen to this, and then I'm going to make reference. We're going to turn to another passage, and we'll come to a close at some time. I didn't promise you that. How large is your hard drive back there? It's pretty large, right? Yeah. So it can record for many hours. It's not a problem. And we already know we're not supposed to seek something to eat or to drink, so we're okay. Notice what the Bible says. Fear not. Whoa. What? What does the Bible say? Paul was talking to Timothy when he said these words. God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Then he gave us a contrast, the opposite of fear. Three things. Follow them with me. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, sound mind. Let's go in reverse. Are you ready? Somebody who doesn't have a sound mind is a little loco. You think anybody's been living a little crazy lately? Has the world been living in fear? And making decisions that don't make any sense. Yeah. Any thoughts? Okay, how about love? Has the world by any chance not been thinking of their neighbor, but rather been thinking about themselves, how they can protect themselves, what they can do for themselves, how they can get for themselves? Has that been happening in the world today? Remember, the nations of the world seek these things. And when they don't have them, they fear. <coughs> how about power? Oh, you say, oh, there's people with power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but everybody else is giving up. They're living in fear. They don't have the strength to make good decisions and live out those decisions. They're all curled up in a ball. That's the opposite of what the Spirit of God gives us. God's Spirit gives us the assurance that we have no fear. I'm not saying we're foolish. I'm saying we're seeking God's kingdom and trusting our lives in His hands, so therefore there is no fear. You see, because Jesus Christ taught plainly His disciples that we should not fear those who can touch the body, but we should fear the one who can touch the soul. And we know who that is. Fear not. And then here's what it says. I, I love this line. These two words in the last couple of weeks have meant so much to me. Listen to them. Little, first of all, I like little things. None of you noticed that, right? See, Pastor was so kind, he offered to change to this podium instead of that podium because that podium was taller. He didn't say that to me, but that's true. <laughs> it's not true. But I, I jumped at the opportunity to have a smaller podium. I don't know why. But notice the Bible says, little what? Little flock? Is that a flock of birds? Sheep. Are you serious? Yes. yes. A flock of sheep. Jesus Christ calls those listening to him a flock of sheep. And then he goes on to say, For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Mm -hmm. 
It's God's good pleasure to give you eternal life, to give you heaven. Started today by having His care for you, even when you're at college, a little bit of a distance away from Him. You can't touch Him or taste Him or smell Him. But your faith knows He's there. The college of life. But, but listen to me. He called me one of His sheep. What does that mean, my friends? Well, let's just look at what it means. Look at Psalm 23. Psalm 23? You say, oh, yes. I know Psalm 23. No, 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 do you? Well, yeah, I have it on my bathroom wall. Of course I know. Do you know it? Now, honestly, I would love to just say, we're going to stay here for another 45 minutes just to talk about it. And I've done it in some churches where we've looked at this very shallowly for 45 minutes. I won't do that to you. I've already, probably, I don't know what time passed on me. I don't know. I've been asked on purpose. But look at me in Psalm 23, will you? What does the Bible say? The Lord is my what? Shepherd, right? Oh, are you sure? You see, one of the tests to know whether God is our shepherd or not is whether or not we follow what we found in Luke 12. Whether we're wanting things or not. Whether we're living in fear or not. Whether we're living in victory. Notice that the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That means that I'm not... If, if I'm wanting things, then I'm not trusting my shepherd. I'm not saying you can't have interest in things. I'm not saying you can't even use the word want. I'm just saying, if it is driving you and you are worried about it, then you are not depending on God as your shepherd. You're one of the sheep who is one of the one out of the 99, and you are off in the fields wandering around on your own. Because listen to what the shepherd will do for you. The shepherd maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He gives me sleep at night. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you struggled to sleep in the last couple of months? I'm not talking about a medical condition. I'm talking about a mental condition. Are you calling me mental? I don't know. I'm not asking you that. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's between you and God. <laughs> and maybe your spouse. But the truth of the matter is, some of us don't sleep so well at night, but God says that when we are relying on Him as a shepherd, I don't have worries that keep me up. In fact, He leads me to a pasture where I can rest. I like to say it this way. Please, at night, stop counting the sheep. They're black anyway. Isn't that true? Most of the things that we're counting at night when we're trying to go to sleep are all dark. Count on the shepherd instead. And you will lay in the green pasture of his comfort. Notice what it says. He leadeth me beside still waters. Well, why still waters? It doesn't say stagnant waters where people will get sick. Sheep get sick if the water isn't moving at least a little bit because of all the amoebas and all the their stomach can't hack it. But if it's too fast, they're too scared to drink it, and then they die, die of dehydration, even though the water's right there. Isn't that funny? Sheep are kind of like dumb. And yet the Bible calls us sheep all the time. I just think God's making a point. Notice, our lives are so fast-paced. And then we say, well, I'm just going to take a vacation. I'm just going to turn it all off. Really? You turn it all off and then you become stagnant. Some of us stink. It's stagnant water. We're giving everybody infections. It's not COVID. It's spiritual infections. Because we're not going at a slow pace with God allowing Him to refresh us. In fact, that's what He says next. He restores my soul. <clears throat> what about that heart who panted after the water rushing? As the psalmist longs after God. What about Paul where he says that on a daily basis, he was having, although his outward man was crumbling, was being crushed, was being abused, his inner man was being renewed every day. Is that your shepherd? I told you I could take 45 minutes. I'm moving too quick here. We should slow down probably. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Are you living a right life because your shepherd's leading you? But notice, it's not righteousness for my sake. What does it say? His name's sake. Are you too worried about what your reputation is? Give it up. 
I gotta go to church, Pastor. Well, who cares what Pastor thinks? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I've, I've been out of line today. That's right. I've been out of line. That's what he thinks, brother. That's right. It's what the great pastor yeah, thinks. That's right. But think about this, friends. I know. I'm, I'm an odd egg. I've been on the mission field too long. Just chalk it up to whatever it is you want. The truth is the truth. The Bible speaks for itself. That's right. Yes. This is where we stand. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice that death is a shadow here. Because death doesn't touch us. Romans 8. We are like sheep to the slaughter. But we are more than victors. Why? Well, because Christ conquered death. Friends, death is not the end. It is only a birth. Say, what? Listen, I'm not giving birth. I think you won't know. I've been with my wife while she's given birth to three of our children. I was trained on helping women give birth years ago. But think with me for a moment. When that child is in the womb, they start to enjoy it and they swim around, they're doing great, right? Yeah. And then they go through this horrible process. I'm talking about the child, not the mom. Think about the child. They put heart monitors on these children and their heart rates go way up. It's a lot of pressure. Sometimes it lasts for hours. I won't tell you one of my children which one it was, but it's like 20 some, 30 some, like three days in the hospital with this child. Which is coming around. But then that child is born into a world that they are so much more free and they are so much more opportunity and growth can take place so much greater. Say, so what does that have to do with anything? We are in a little globe. It's called Earth. We are caught in the ambient fluid of oxygen. We are trapped with our human limitations. All death is, is a birthing process into heaven. A world that will give us much more freedom. Death is not to be feared. It's a shadow. I will fear no evil. No evil. Oh, but haven't you heard? Yeah, I've heard. No, I don't want to have the pain and I don't want to have the misery, but I don't have to fear it. Oh, let's just let's just keep going because I'm, 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 I'm ruining everything. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is this truth? Amen. No, 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 no. Okay, so. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of this life. Because he's my shepherd for this life. But what does he say at the end? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, Jehovah. He's not going eternity. When God is my shepherd, when I'm one of his little flock, there is no fear. It's all taken care of. You and I can live in complete Are you living there? Oh, there's so much more we can share. And we'll see how the Lord leads for this afternoon, okay? But I just want to encourage you here today. You and I are both living in the same world. Both of us have different pressures, but we are all living in extreme pressure times. We will either respond in fear, lack of power, lack of love, and lack of logic. If we don't know who our father is, or our shepherd is, I want to encourage you, in the midst of the chaos, you and I can have confidence because we have somebody caring for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for all that you've given to us. I thank you for your word, for the awesomeness of these truths. I ask that you would work in our lives, that we make application, that we would have the confidence. Dear God, here's the struggle. The struggle is often as believers, we lose our confidence. We don't experience the comfort that you want to comfort us with. 
And therefore, dear God, we don't share you as our comforter, as our shepherd with the world around us who doesn't know you. So they continue to live without a comforter because we are not living according to the truth that we have a comforter. Dear God, will you help us to share our shepherd with those who have no shepherd, those who are not part of the flock? Will you help us to have confidence in you taking care of every one of our needs? Help us to seek your kingdom to glorify you and allow you to provide in your own way. Thank you for your promises. In your name, amen. Pastor, please come close as you stay. Hey, that was great. I'm pissing, brother. If you're crazy, I want you. I want you crazy. I want you great. That was just a wonderful encouragement and challenge. And so... Um, I do have a hymn I'd like us to turn to, number 341. And of course, our brother mentioned quite a bit about the Lord being our shepherd and caring for us. And um, I love this hymn too because that's where it starts. I mean, it goes right to what the Lord has done for us. So let's stand, please. It's 341. Start to ask, say, Savior, thy dying love, thou gavest me. Because of all that he's done for us, nor should I. Ought we hold. Dear Lord, we um, Amen. You should not hold anything back from my dear, from my dear Lord. And uh, so let's sing, let's sing this, all right? Savior, thy dying love,